So my task is to teach something, to teach a lesson. But I, 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 what I really hope that you get here is the Word of God communicating some encouragement to you. Just as we've been encouraged in worship, I want you to hear this as God's Word for you today, and there's some measure of encouragement in this. You know, I'm going to just tell you right off the bat, I've struggled with how this lesson from Numbers 8 fits into all of this. I've always thought it was strange, haven't you, that there's a book of the Bible called Numbers. It's supposed to be God's Word, but then there's also Numbers. And by the way, I want you to know that I agree with, with Danny. Jump right into the Bible reading schedule. Just pick it up right where it is right now, and then you can go into next year and just pick up a little extra. That's fine. And you also need to know that when you get to Numbers, and you run into all of those Numbers, you have permission to scan through that part. But don't miss what may be there. Because every once in a while, as you're going through the book of Numbers, you think, oh, this is like reading tax code. This is like, you know, this is like reading census reports, because that's what it is. But then all of a sudden, a little, a little statement just stands out. Something just shows up that you think, there's so much to that, because this is God's Word. I want to share one of those with you, because it has to do with discipleship and worship. This is the 8th chapter of Numbers, starting about verse 22. And it concerns the Levites. And the Levites were entrusted with managing the worship of God's people. Their assembly in the tabernacle where they would meet in the presence of the Lord. The Levites went in to perform their service in the meeting tent before Aaron and his sons. They were the priests. And they did for the Levites just as the Lord had commanded Moses concerning them. The Lord spoke to Moses. This rule applies to the Levites. Everyone 25 years old and above will enter the service performing the duties for the meeting tent. At 50 years old, each will retire from service. They will perform their duties no longer. Each may assist his fellow Levites in the meeting tent with some responsibilities, but he may not perform service. This is how you should assign responsibilities to the Levites. I'm not sure exactly how Levites translate into our current situation here. We are a priesthood of believers. We are a royal priesthood. We minister to one another. If that mandatory retirement age of 50 is to uh, be taken literally, then I'm six years overdue my retirement, and I'm not ready for that yet. But this is one of those that stops you and makes you think, okay, so what's going on here? What's being said? Is this just one of those funny little rules that Israel had? Or is there a meaning behind it? Is there a purpose? And I'm going to tell you there is. 
This is the rule. This is the responsibility that's being set up for the Levites. Now remember, the Levites are the one tribe within all the people of God who are set up to bring the others into the presence of God. Their task is to take care of the tabernacle, to take care of the things of God. They are dedicated to that. It's not unlike how we do church today. There's some of us that are dedicated to certain things and others who are dedicated to other things. But we all work together and we all come together in God's name. We are all His children. But for the Levites, there's some specialized knowledge that they need to know. Some things that they need to be aware of. And here's what can happen to you if you are an ancient Israelite and it can still happen today you can have an entire generation forget what it means to take care of the things of God. That's what happened in Egypt. In Egypt, after Joseph's brothers went there, and, and you should, you've, you've encountered this if you've done your Bible reading on schedule up to this point. A time will come where the people don't know what it means to go out into the desert, out into the wilderness, and worship God. If you look at what Moses goes to Pharaoh to say, is he says, you need to let my people go, not just because it's justice, but you need to let them go so that they can do something better than what they're doing. Because what they're doing right now honors you, Pharaoh, and you think you're a god, but you're not a god. And you need to let these people go so that they can go out into the wilderness and have a worship meeting. Because when they are worshiping God, they represent me on earth they are bridging the gap between me and earth, and they are doing this so that they can be a light to all nations. Now church, every time that our worship blesses you, it's blessing the world. Every time our worship is good, it becomes a window. Just like night to shine, as I was telling you in the announcement. When people see what's happening at night to shine, Danny invited you to participate in this. It gives us an, a glimpse into the way things could be if we are all dedicated to God's way of living. That's why it's important that we're disciples, and that's why disciples worship. Because when we get together like this, we're not just putting in our dues. We're not just doing this because we've been told to and we don't ask questions. We're doing this because we're learning what it means we are practicing what it means to be learners students disciples of jesus christ these are the things that he has taught us to do but as israel found out you can lose all of that one generation but certainly after 400 years you can learn lose all that so god instructs moses who instructs the people to say, this is how you do it. And they have to learn this. In fact, when you get to Leviticus, I'm going to get you ready for Leviticus in your Bible reading. Leviticus is a funny book. And I used to, I used to worry when I got to it. Now I love it. It's one of my favorites. Because the, the best title for Leviticus is that first line, which is, God called out from the tent. Leviticus is a Latin title for it. But God called out from the tent. God is saying, okay, you need to put on your spiritual safety gear if you're going to come and have this relationship with me. 
So he's teaching the people how to do this. Because they are encountering a power that can do far more than all we're able to ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. Now that sounds good when we claim that as a slogan. But when you think about what that power is capable of, that's stunning. And we need to enter into that presence with hope, but with respect. And so the Levites are doing this. They are the ones who are managing all this. They're sort of the the safety monitors for all this. But they're also the guides. They're also the ones who are making this happen. They need to make sure then that one generation doesn't forget how this is done. So, when you tell the Levites that they start this at 25 and then they have 25 years of doing this, and then they step back, another generation comes up and takes over. And there's always going to be a continual training across the generations. From 25 to 50, they're performing their duties in the tabernacle. After 50, they retire without actually retiring. Because you'll notice there was a little clause in there that says, they can assist, but they don't do. Help but don't do. At 50, they've got to leave this to the 25 to 50s, but they don't leave. I hope you you see what I'm saying here. They're still there. So you always have one generation teaching the next. And that biblical, godly principle shows up again and again in Scripture. When you have a culture on the island of Crete, that knows nothing about God. And they certainly don't live the way of Jesus. Among all the the cultures in the first century, Crete was one of the least godly. And so Paul, who's a mentor to Titus, says to Titus, while you're working there, you need to get some older ones and you need to train them how to teach the younger ones. Because... Titus is going to leave, but there will always be an older generation that can teach the younger. This this Numbers 8 passage illustrates for us so clearly that the generations need one another. That the older need the younger, and the younger need the older. And there's there's no cause, there's no rationale, there's no justification for us to be at odds with one another. To think that there's going to instantly be conflict. Why does there have to be conflict when there can be continual training? If we're all respecting one another, then we can say, okay, look, here's what this means. Here's what this means. Can you imagine what it's like to be a Levite and on your 25th birthday, you walk into the tabernacle and suddenly you go, wait a second, how do I do this? Thankfully, your 51-year-old Levite relative shows up and says, put it over there. Do it like this. They're helping you out. And everything's going to be alright. That's what you get from this simple passage in Numbers. What we need to take from it are a few things. Number one, there's no retirement in the church. There's no retirement until there's replacement. You need to teach others to do what you do. 
You may not realize that. You may not realize that what you're doing is valuable. But just in anything, even those of you who are older in the youth group, you won't always be there. And that's okay. But you're teaching the younger ones. You're showing them how it's done. Those of you who are somewhere in between, you're showing the younger couples how it's done. In fact, if you're younger and you think, I don't have anybody older than me, then, then start asking. Start looking for someone. Ask them to join you in this. But we need to teach others to do like we do. When I got started in ministry so many years ago, I wasn't entirely sure that this is what I wanted to do. I didn't have anybody in my family that had gone through ministry. Uh, I, didn't, I knew a few people who had done this, but I, but I really didn't have a lot of people that I could call on and say, tell me how it is. So I was looking for those mentors. Shortly after uh, Karen and I were married, young newlywed couple, of course we go and we avail ourselves to, to whatever good is going on out there, and we go to the Tulsa Soul Winning Workshop. And there's Max Lucado. Oh, I mean, everybody was reading Max Lucado's books then. Everybody, I thought, well, I, I, I've I've got, to go. I've got to go and get the blessing from Max Lucado. I've got to go and make sure that he knows my name. Max didn't want to know my name. He was tired, and he didn't have any time. And you know what? I don't have any hard feelings about that because I kind of understand. But I just wanted to go up and say hello and say, do you have any advice? And Max did not have any advice. But he was there with his mentor, a man named Stanley Ship, who I had met years earlier, and he wouldn't have known me at the time, but then I would talk to years later, and that's another story. But Stanley looks up at me and he says, well, good to meet you, young man. And he goes, I would give you this advice. Whatever you do, take someone with you and do it. I said, kind of like discipleship. Exactly like discipleship. You're going to do great. The man who was teaching Max had a word for me. And it's a word about discipleship. And I've never forgotten that story. And it's one that I, I, I think is probably a lot more valuable than anything Max could have come up with right then. God gave the lesson to Stanley. So whatever we do, we need to be taking somebody with us. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's not. Because if we're individual contributors and do-it-yourselfers, it's just easy to do it on our own. But the problem is, you're doing it on your own until you're no longer doing it and you're no longer here. Then who's going to do what you do? We've got to be training our replacements. We need to always cast a shadow. That's why in theater there's an understudy. You always have an understudy who knows the part as well as the main actor. Because if the main actor gets laryngitis, here comes the understudy. The show goes on. You have somebody else who can do that. In government, sometimes you have what's called a shadow parliament, and it sounds very spooky. But they're just the opposition, the other side of the bench, who are watching what the others do that are in the majority party, and they can do the same thing. In work, you call this cross-training. But... What we can call it is numbers eight. We always are teaching somebody to do what we do, and you see the wisdom of Paul. In fact, maybe it's better to call this 
the 1C111 rule, okay? Can you remember that? 1C111? It's Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1. You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. If we're all imitating Christ as disciples, then we want others to be imitating us. So there's no retirement until there's replacement. Secondly, we need to be thinking about the next steps in discipleship. Up to this point, four lessons into this, I could review it all, but it's on YouTube. We have been focusing on what the steps to discipleship mean for all of us. There's that first watery step in baptism where we make that decision to follow Jesus, where we follow Him through the waters of baptism, then we are raised to walk in newness of life, and we're following Jesus. But along the way, we realize, wait, there's others following too. And I want you to think about these next steps like this. First of all, I want all of us as disciples to step up, to step up and learn. This is what I meant when I said Nobody has asked me to help is not going to be an excuse. If you're thinking, well, I'd like to help, but nobody's asked me, then that is a sure sign that you are the one who needs to do the asking. If nobody's asked you, then you ask somebody. Just say, hey, I think I'd like to learn more about what you do. Could you show me what that's like? And after today's sermon... Somebody's going to have a hard time saying, I don't think so. Because mm -hmm. now you can say, well, Benjamin said you're supposed to show me. We'll see where that goes. Maybe it just wasn't a, a, a fit that was meant to be. I always appreciated this story that my, my uncle shared with me when I was young. Uncle Lewis worked in a body shop. That was his work. That was his craft. It's what he did. It's how he made his living. And I asked him one day, I said, what was it that made you think that you wanted to work on cars, that you wanted to repair cars and do this? And he said, it's just what I always did. He said, I would go down to the shop and I would hang out down there. And then, you know, he would do whatever jobs were around. And then one night, the owner of the shop says, hey, you see that car over there? Yeah. He says, you've seen what I've done. Yeah. He goes, here's the keys to the shop. Have that car ready by the morning. He threw the keys to my uncle as a young man and said, you can do what I do. We've got to start thinking like that in the church. We've got to start thinking now, not later on. Because we don't need to come to a generational crisis where a bunch of us suddenly decide to step down and the rest of us are thinking, what are we supposed to do? You need to be showing others how it's done. Thank God for those shepherds who have raised up other shepherds. Thank God for those servants who have raised up other servants. Now, if you're one of the older ones and you need somebody to train, step up and learn how to teach them. Because I know right now some of you are thinking, oh yeah, I don't know that I can teach someone to do what I can do. You know what? You maybe, maybe you can't. But this is where God gives you gifts that you don't know you have. So just step up and learn how to pass on your knowledge. If you're waiting in the wings to learn from somebody, then you step up to learn. And I'm not just talking about works in the church. I'm talking about discipleship. If you're a young couple and you see a young couple who have a great marriage and you're thinking, I wish we had a relationship like theirs, you go to them and say, can we just see kind of, you know, 
how y'all get along? Can we just spend some time with you? Can we drink coffee with you and just talk about stuff? And you'll know they're the best mentors when they say, us? You're looking at us? That means you've found the right ones. They don't know how good and how well they're doing it. So you step up and learn whatever side of this process you're on. Next, step back and let others lead. Now this can be hard because we get so into what we're doing, but sometimes we've got to step back and let them take over the driver's seat. We've got to throw them the keys and say, that's your car, work on it, have it ready by the morning. We've been doing Night to Shine now for eight years, and we are ready to have some step back and others step in. It's time. We can do this. There's a lot of ways we can do this, but we don't step down. Stepping down is just quitting, and we're not going to do that. One of the jobs that I, it kind of came with the job at Lake Jackson. It was every Thursday. You would go out to the uh, nursing homes, and you would share a word of encouragement. Some of the folks were people that we knew. Most of them weren't. But they were all gathered around, and we'd be there. I always looked forward to those Thursdays, not because I knew anybody at the nursing home. I didn't know what that was like. I didn't have any experience with it, but I got to go every week because this man did it every week with an older brother named George. And I asked George, I said, George, you've hit retirement. Why aren't you playing dominoes? George, you're done. You can leave this to others. He said, Benjamin, you don't ever retire from the church. He said, I do this because this is who I am. And I learned from George. So we don't ever step down. But we can step back, and we certainly need to step up. Finally, I want you to know that disciples are doers. We tend to think of ourselves sometimes as members. A member is always a part of a greater whole. So when Scripture talks about being members of the body of Christ, it's talking about, you know, like, like a part of your body. In fact, the parts of my body are held together so well, most days, that if I lose one, they get dismembered. They don't just vote one day and say, that's it. Now, there's some days I feel like that, that you know, but, but we're so tied together. As members, we are all connected to Christ. So this isn't the kind of thing where we just say, eh, I'm just going to you know, move my membership here, move my membership there. We're all connected in Christ. Now, you might work with a different congregation. I get that, and we can go over those finer points some other time. But as individuals, we're not just members, we're disciples. We are all learning. And a disciple is a doer. And I want you to know that as disciples, as we're doing whatever it is we're doing, whether we're serving, whether we're preaching, whether we're leading worship, whether we're living out our faith in front of others, whether we're encouraging one another, whether we're teaching one another, whether we're helping one another raise children, whether we're helping one another overcome uh, whatever struggles that we're going through, you can't have too many doing that. There's no reason to close it off and say, ah, no, it's okay, we've got enough people doing this already. Let there always be more who are capable of doing what needs to be. Do you think they ever turned down any Levite? That if, when you turn 25 as a Levite, I don't see anything in that passage that says, now you can only do this for 100 and then after that you've got to cut it off. I don't see anybody over 50 being told, that's it, get out of here, we don't need you anymore. It's all working together. And the rules are very simple. And there's a need for every gift. Let me, 
We're going to talk in the future about gifts. But God gives the gifts to the church. And that means that God gives the gifts to us. Now, we, own, we, we don't own them. We have been entrusted with them for the service to the church. So if God has given you a gift, why would He give that to you and not ask you to use it? Think about that. There's a need for everything. And there's never too many. So I want you to think as we wrap up here. I want you to think about these things and take them home with you. Three questions. How do you serve? There's a lot of answers to that. But just think about it. Make it intentional. Just think, well, how do I serve? It doesn't have to be whatever goes on up here in this you know, special precinct. No. It might be in church. It might be outside church. It might be to your neighbors. It might be to anybody. It might be prayer. It, might, it, it can be anything. But you just think about it. Alright? God empowers and enables myriad acts of service. Who teaches you? Second question. Who teaches you now? Who has been your teacher in the past? Who's your example? Who's your role model? Be intentional about that. Think about the people who've encouraged you and helped you and trained you. That's your cloud of witnesses. And then you let that open this question up for you. Who are you, who are you teaching? Because that's the disciple-making process. And if you don't know the answer to any of those right now, just start asking God to help you find the answers to that. But don't give up. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that You would inspire us to step up and learn Your ways, to be willing to teach and share that life together in service with one another, and to be even be willing to step back and let others lead when the time is right. But Father, teach us never to step down. Teach us not to give up or to give in to despair or to get tired or to get doubtful or cynical. Teach, teach us not to, to make excuses, but teach us how to always be willing to step in and be a disciple. Because being a disciple is a process of walking. It is walking in newness of life. And it is always one step after another step after another step after another step as we live this life to Your glory. Father, help us to be learners and teachers, and Father, empower us and equip us to follow the way of Jesus with one another. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.